welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Elijah Morar, founder of Bedouin Games. His first title, based on the story of Noah's Flood, is doing incredibly well on Kickstarter. Elijah, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Hello, my name is Elijah once again with Bedwin Games, <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for having me here. Oh, it's great to have you. Where are you located, Elijah? I know you're uh, three hours behind me. You're somewhere on the West Coast? or Yeah, yeah. We're located in Sacramento, California, uh, by Sacramento, California. Now, have you lived there your whole life? or? Um, I am new to the area. We've been here for about two and a half years, so fairly new, but we're like in the sunshine so far, so... Like a Bedouin tribe, you're just kind of making your way That's across right. <laughs> across the desert, eh? So, right. how, how long have you been gaming for? Is this in kind of a lifelong passion for you, or? So yeah, um, it all started in the you know I was born in the '90s, so I'm you know I'm fairly young, but it all started in the '90s with uh, believe it or not, Scotland Yard. Um, I remember that was one of the oh. very very first games that I've played, and I was kind of trying to also play it by myself because a lot of my siblings were like, ah, oh, we'd rather play outside. Because um, I did grow up in India. So, you know, in India, it's always like, oh. you know, the perfect weather. So everybody wants to play cricket or, you know, ball or <laughs> something like that. And I was like, hey, we want something, uh, you know, to flex our brain. <laughs> so, yeah, Scotland Yard, uh, the game of life, uh, the 1990s version. So those are the two games that I specifically remember starting out. And I was like, wow, there's more to life than just chess or checkers. You know, things yeah. can be more interesting, story based and, you know, colorful. So. So I'm not gonna let the India come and go. So you you uh, were you born in India or you you just like you travel there? Or how, how did uh, you end up in India? Yeah, my family actually moved there when I was two. Um, so we stayed there for a while, and um, it was it was very exotic and super cool. That's why I like the sun nowadays, and I like hot weather. <laughs> wow, so I think you, that that's due to my upbringing. Your parents' work brought you there, I guess. Was that kind yeah, of the, yeah, correct? Was it military yeah. or what? What? what, what? Um, no, no. Part of the time they were going to college because over there colleges okay. were cheaper. And then the other part, they were just, I guess they were tired and they wanted a new country or, you know, some, some exotic experience for it. So yeah. that's cool. Well, I'm sure some of our listeners will be happy to hear that a good chunk of our listeners are actually based in India. So uh, uh, a shout out to all of our Indian listeners who are listening to this, to this podcast. That's pretty cool to have that kind of connection. Yeah. So you're playing, you know, kind of the classics in Scotland Yard and and then when did that start transitioning into kind of this more modern uh, style of, of, of gaming in this industry specifically? And what was kind of that, I hate to use the word gateway because it's overused, but what was kind of the mm -hmm. gateway game for you to kind of really grab you? Yeah. So I'll go back a little bit too, is sure. um, um, after India, I've played a little bit more because in India, they have their own subgroup of board games that I've never seen here in the US. Um, you know, they're kind of um, Indian based, so Indian style of the games, but they're mm. also pretty entertaining and there's Indian money and all kinds of um, caveats to those games. <laughs> but uh, when I came back, uh, you know, back into the US uh, in, I remember distinctively in, in high school, um, there was this game called Strategio that I really yeah. enjoyed because it's a blend of, you know, sort of like check, check, checks and, uh, you know, checkers like yep. mechanic to it, but it's also colorful because there's a lot of you know, images of soldiers and, you know, strategy based on that. Um, so that was one of them. And then later on in college, um, I remember we used to, you know, I'm in the healthcare industry originally. Mm. Um, so I was a, a healthcare major and, you know, we don't get a lot of sleep. We have lots of exams. 
So in college, I used to hang out with all the business majors and they used to always sleep and play Monopoly because they're like, oh, that's a business game. <laughs> so I remember beating them a few times in Monopoly and I was like, wow, this is great. So we had really, really competitive games. Um, Uno, I'm sure your listeners have heard oh, yeah. of Uno. <laughs> of course, you know, Skippo so. and a bunch, yeah. So with that, I think my personal gateway game was actually um, Settlers of Catan and a more modern uh, version like Wingspan. Ah, so Wingspan, okay. when it very, very first came out, I was like, wow, this is cool, you know, because I've never been exposed to anything besides Settlers of Catan or any of the classic games like Risk. Mm-hmm. And so with Wingspan, I was like, wow, I need uh, to kind of, uh, I'm thirsty for more knowledge, for more games and mechanics and something cooler. So I think the part of it was Settlers of Catan and the other part was Wingspan and then getting into it more and more and, and pretty much playing a new game every week. So yeah, that's interesting because wingspan, I would say is, I mean, that's fairly recent, right? Like that's got to be in the yeah, past yeah. four years, maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, four years. So between kind of when you start playing Catan, I'm in Canada. So I say Catan, I know some people <laughs> say Catan, Catan, Catan yeah. to me, it's a motto. Um, I know it's a heated debate actually out on the internet as to how to pronounce settlers of Catan or Catan. And, um, but jumping from Settlers of Catan to Wingspan without any kind of transition there, that's actually quite the leap. I haven't, it's not something you typically see, but the hunger, I yeah. guess, is what grabs you. And I think that's the important part. And I think a lot of gamers, especially in this indie industry, that's where they really relate, right? Is that you get one game and there's something in that game that just grabs you and then you want more. Right. And, uh, and yeah. it's like, let me, I want to try a different game. And then, you know, on a weekly basis and so forth, how are you playing on a weekly basis? Are you part of a gaming group or, or were you going to, to learn to play games? Yeah. We have a small group of friends actually in their meeting tonight, but we have a small <laughs> group of friends that I know that, uh, play games. And, yeah. um, you know, I distinctly remember the first few games and the first highlights. So Catan was, was one of them. Yeah. Wingspan was the second and then terraforming Mars was uh, even more complex, but I was like, wow, you know, that's was, a beefy game, yeah. That guy was able to build such an engine, uh, you know, such economics within a game, and it's fun, you know. So after that, where I'm like, hey, I want to try more and more. And you know, on a weekly basis, um, we rarely play games two to three weeks in a row. It, it just it's interesting to learn them. It's interesting, you know, different art styles, different mechanics. So mm. it just it almost keeps us going. So it's it's awesome. So. Yeah, the, the more games you can play, I find it definitely informs you. I know when, you know, Settlers Catan was one of the first ones in, in the new genre that I started playing as well. And then I went and kind of relaunched uh, a game that I had created like 20 years before and, and ended up doing it on Kickstarter. There's a lot of learning in, in that regard. But what I really loved about the process is I jo- started joining meetups initially just to kind of get people to play this game I was going to launch on Kickstarter. And what I found was in these meetups is I started seeing all these games I'd never seen before and different concepts and different themes and different kind of mechanics that I wasn't even familiar with. And the same thing, it just grabbed me. And I started saying, okay, I got to, I got to try as many games as possible. One of the cool things about meetups for people out there that if they join them, especially if they're public ones, usually when you go to these meetups, there's going to be everyone's bringing their own games, right? So there's usually a selection of things to, to try and it's usually different every week, uh, which is cool. So if you're someone that likes to kind of like, kind of like when you're wine tasting, right? If you want to kind of game yeah. tasting, uh, the best way to do that sometimes is go to these meetups where everyone brings their own games and you can kind of circle around the different tables and kind of find something that maybe you haven't tried before and you want to, you want to play. 
Yeah, uh, one of the people from our crew that we usually meet up regularly, actually, I call him a board game collectionist. He, he has <laughs> much more games than what uh, than what he's actually played. So some of them are brand new, never opened. Yeah, um, yeah. I so, got a buddy know. like that as well. Yeah, he, <laughs> he actually collects. So there's some that he yeah. leaves in the shrink wrap because he sees them as collectible, right? And and I think yeah. we're seeing a lot of this as well. And even Kickstarter um, is is a way for people to, you know, collect games and get into different things that are have this kind of almost exclusivity, right? Or, or limited kind of additions. And, and that's, you know, some of the hook there as well. How, how did that kind of, you know, I know we're going to get into the game in a second, but the whole religious aspect of, of, you know, the flood and how was, you know, when was the decision made to kind of tie, you know, religion into, into your board gaming experience or how did that come, come about? Yeah. So originally too, um, going back with Catan, um, we started making our own rules because we we're like, Hey, you know, building, building a road to this many times, you know, you get the victory point, but you know, it's more fun if you continue the game. Uh, so we like invented castles where you build a castle instead of a city and further on and further on. Um, and then we started playing more and more games. And by the time we start playing different themed games, cause we play literally pretty much everything. Yeah. So uh, one of it too, it was like, a, it was a vampire game. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but when you chase Dracula all over the map, um, and you're several vampire hunters. And um, I, I, I got to think of the name, but uh, it got to me and I was like, hey, how come there's not a lot of Christian board games out there at all? Because, uh, you know, we're Christian and our, and our friends are Christian too. And we're like, that would be awesome if, if there was something Christian themed um, that wasn't too, too Christian in terms of, hey, a specific denomination or a specific religion, but something so broad that it'll kind of um, convince even the casual gamer or an atheist or anybody to play because it's just fun, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, there are games out there like uh, Quacks that, uh, you know, you brew a stew and you're you're sort of a witch, right? <laughs> yeah. If you really think about it, but nobody pays attention to the theme. Um, same here where we, we tried to do a Bible theme, but anybody could literally enjoy the game. Uh, we have a lot of cool mechanics in there. So um, that's, that's one of the reasons why I was like, hey, we got to do something Christian. We got to look into this mm -hmm. uh, so we literally just opened the bible started with the beginning of the bible and then we stopped on the story of the flood because i was like wow building an ark i don't think anybody has done a game about the flood and, and building the ark before the flood yeah so i want that building process to be the the core center of the game where you actually complete a, a physical 3d model you know because i thought that you know the appearance of the model on the, on the whole board would be awesome so that's how the idea started and then how long ago did you start kind of working through the mechanics of how that would come together? Like how that would, so you had the theme obviously, but then mm -hmm. the mechanics, I mean, there's, I would say some hints of Catan in there in terms of how the board's up and so forth. But when did you kind of lay down the initial even design of the game itself? Yeah, um, that was actually in 2018. Um, okay. So in 2018, the idea was born. Uh, then the theme came along. Um, then the the core mechanics and then additional mechanics with the core because we had to test out everything and you know like like many of the people who created uh, different board games we all start out with paper pieces uh, we use crayons you know to signify different pieces <laughs> that's until we learned of hey there's print and play and you can actually order you know meeples and you can do custom stuff and so I think uh, you know with them a huge thank you to print and play because um they're able to accommodate a lot of designers and a lot of crazy ideas. And Hey, they came up with it. They have custom cutting and you know, stuff yeah, like that. They're great. So it's pretty awesome. And in our game, we have a trihexagonal board 
with different tiles and it's very complex to create a prototype like that so we would hand cut the tiles <laughs> oh until we figured out that there's a laser cutting machine that can do them you know pretty much perfect for you yeah so yeah wow so 2018 and then at when did you find that you were ready to go to kickstarter with, with the game um, we had several initial attempts to launch where we were like, okay, we're ready, but I was never satisfied with, with completely with the art. So we always kept on improving and improving and improving. And um, we wanted to launch actually two months before we launched, but due to the war in Ukraine, um, a lot of our friends are mm. Ukrainian and designers are Ukrainian. So they were just not available, you know, because of the war. Yeah. So we had to postpone our Kickstarter and, uh, you know, they're, they're all gone from Ukraine. Some of their families still there. Uh, so, you know, keep them in their mind, keep, keep them in your minds, but sure. uh, yeah, we had to postpone the launch, but then we did launch. So. Wow. And it, it, it's, it's interesting. And I think it's Jamie Stegmaier that this said it in his book that if you delay, if you're not ready for your campaign and you delay it, nothing bad will happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bad yeah. things happen when you launch before you're ready. Yeah. That that's when bad can happen and uh, go real bad. So, you know, I, th I think that, I mean, obviously the Ukraine is, is a timing thing as well, but even before that, you know, having the insight to say, you know what, the art's not quite right. We really want to make sure this is polished before it goes out, I think is a, is the responsible way to approach it, quite frankly, right. You want to make sure you're putting your best foot forward, right. You don't want to just kind of rush it. Um, so the flood in, I, I've, I was looking at the, I'm going to show the page here in a second uh, for people that are, that are actually watching the podcast or the listeners. If you want to go check out the Kickstarter page afterwards, check it out. But you got some really cool components in this game, right? Like the, the way you build the actual arc is, uh, is, is pretty, pretty slick. And from what I can see on this, I think you're right. I think you guys took a good approach where there's a good, there's obviously a religious theme to the game. But you've given it a good balance where it seems like it's approachable to anybody, right? It doesn't seem like it's kind of hitting you over the head with a big stick. It's taken a fairly well-known story that crosses many religions, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can even tie it into the story of Gilgamesh if you want to, right? So, yeah. um, you know, you've, you've got the story that most people know, and you've kind of applied this kind of resource gathering approach, kind of a bit of a Catan vibe to it, but I'll let you kind of explain, you know, how it, it kind of branches on its own, but... I think it was just really cool when I saw it. And that's what kind of really caught my eye right away and made me want to reach out to you guys. Besides the fact that, and I want to say is for, uh, to, to start off, I mean, this, this game's already funded, right? So you guys yeah. have a week to go. You got the back end hockey stick, but in Canadian dollars, you're already at a quarter million dollars. Um, you know, it's 1,718 backers. Congratulations. I mean, well yeah. done. Thank you so that much. Is for your first campaign, that is incredible. So kudos to you guys on that. Um, but I mean, you'll see the artwork. The artwork is, 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 is quite stunning. I think I read somewhere that you had pulled in different teams or so forth. Can you talk a little bit about the, the people you pulled in to help you with like the artwork and kind, yeah. of, kind of some of the components and so forth? Um, I want to go back real quick to yeah. um, actually deciding to launch the Kickstarter. You know, we had contacted uh, previewers and we had scheduled this, this nice schedule for all of our email subscribers and, uh, but nothing ever goes to schedule, especially with the shipping nowadays. <laughs> oh, yeah. So our, our prototypes were stuck in Australia for about four months and we paid for overnight shipping. <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, that's, a, that's quite a huge, because first off, it's costly to do overnight shipping across yeah. seas. Even though it's a board game overnight, it still costs a lot of money. But being stuck there, like just, 
you know, messed up the timeline. So a huge, huge thank you to Dice Tower. Um, they're very mm. accommodating. Nobody knew that COVID would, would slow down shipping so much. So, and I think still they're having logistics there in Australia and New Zealand, just just piles of packages in the airports waiting to get delivered, you know, and a lot of them are overnight. Worldwide. So, I mean, it is brutal. I just had a quote. Yeah. I know it's a little off topic, but I just had a quote last week because we we're running out of inventory in one of our games in the States and we have a bunch of inventory here in Canada. And I think it was like two, three years ago, about two and a half years ago, to, to ship a skid of product from Canada down to like uh, we deal with fun again. So the warehouse in the States, you know, in uh, Oregon would have been like $350. And yeah. the quote came back at a thousand dollars before <laughs> we're even getting into broker yeah. fees at the border and so forth. And we ran the math and we're like, you know what? Sorry, right of inventory in the States. And, you know, when you do an next print run, we'll ship straight from factories to the States because it does not make sense now to ship these kind of one skids at a time. So it has been absolutely brutal, yeah. uh, the shipping on this industry. And you know, I just hope the industry can survive, more specifically the small indie producers, because I think there's a lot of magic, a lot of gold in some of these kind of one-offs. Yeah. Producers, you know, you know, publishers like yourself, that you have a creation as a passion project. There's a lot of love that goes into it. And we need you know, the independent publishers to survive, right? It is becoming tougher when you have these kind of costs that are just, you know, weighing the whole system down. But yeah. I digress. And all right. You know, a separate thank you to all the all the backers on Kickstarter for yeah. not only our project, but every every project on Kickstarter, because literally you have a cool idea. It works, it's awesome. But sometimes, you know, if you wouldn't have the backing, you wouldn't be able to publish it because it takes yeah. so much, even for tooling, just something little, even the prototype. Like um, our prototype is more than $2,000 just on its own to produce it due to the miniatures. So, you know, some of these costs, you know, I just wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> so yeah. thank you to all the backers for, <laughs> for backing us. And we back projects too. Uh, we love it because of the coins. Honestly, some of the projects, their coins are super cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in the flood, we do have coins. I think they're going to get renamed to like faith tokens to match the theme. Oh, but the cool. coins look super, super awesome. So we're, you know, we're super happy about it. So let's get into the game. So I've got it on my screen here. Uh, the board looks super cool, much like it. And this where the, and I, I hate to keep saying Catan, but I mean, the way the board yeah. set up at least initially made me, because it helps you explain it to other people, right? So you have your outer red, uh, you know, edge that you kind of click together, almost like a, like a puzzle. And then all your, um, what do you call them? Triple hexes or something? What's uh, just tiles, but they're trihexagons. So they're trihexagons, hexagon yeah. with three sides. Yeah, that uh, that then you kind of build into the uh, into the inside of the board to create your board. Um, but other than that, I mean, the, obviously, then the departure goes <laughs> far to the other way. Yeah. Uh, the artwork and so take us through this game so people understand what this game is about. Yeah. So uh, the flood. Uh, it's a resource gathering, resource management, and engine building game. Um, we so we did want familiarity with the tiles because. Um, honestly, it's hard explaining in the rules of how to place your, your pieces mm -hmm. if you have a modular board. So we did want a little bit of that familiarity because it is a Euro game. Um, it is, you know, resource management. Um, but basically, you would, you would set your huts, camps, and then your trails and roads between them, and you connect, and that will be your network. But the primary mission of the network is to kind of feed the resources into the placement token of where you build the arc. So this whole thing is done as where you roll the dice, you collect the resources, and your whole sole point is to build the arc. Uh, now, during our Kickstarter, we unlocked some pretty cool goals with animal miniatures. 
Um, mm. So, you know, our, our point is like, hey, Noah must have had animals helping him for sure. Because I mean, you know, so that it's a super awesome concept. Yeah. Um, so, right? yeah. <laughs> so now we have even more. I think if you scroll down, there's like a rhino, a woolly rhino and, and all kinds of other creatures. Yeah. But um, all of those creatures will have unique attributes to them. And I think um, we unlocked a co-op version of the game where everybody would be working on the arc together. So they would be using those attributes in combination to complete the arc. So I think that was a super interesting twist where, you know, you do have a hero token. It can do several different skill set, you know, skills based on which one you choose. So I think players, it will kind of um, involve you more into the story. You'll dive deeper into the story with it and, you know, it'll be more grasping. Who came up with the, 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 uh, I'm just hanging on the meeple here right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's super cool. Who, who designed this? So you've and I'll describe for people that aren't seeing what I, I'm seeing here, but I try to use a script of words is, you know, you've got meeples are basically two dimensional, right? It's like a mm-hmm. thick two dimensional image and you've got four pieces that kind of cut and insert together to make the arc, which looks super cool. I mean, the plastic minis are, are even cooler, but who came up with this design? Cause it's quite clever the way you guys put this together. Yeah. So it's me. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm the one to blame. <laughs> So, and uh, you know, there's this criticism from both sides. So, so people that are uh, not religious, love it. Uh, people that are very religious say, Hey, that doesn't look like an actual arc would look like, but uh, you know, to all those people, I would say like, Hey, nobody really knows what the arc looks like. And this is a game it's meant to be more whimsical because uh, if you make it like serious and the actual dimensions, it wouldn't fit on the map. <laughs> it would be very small and very rectangular. Yeah. Um, so for those people who actually have um, an STL, so a digital STL that would be included in our um, deluxe and all-in versions where you could actually 3D print your own, that actually is the right oh, proportions. Cool. And you can try to fit on the board, no guarantees. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to see some posts on social media once the game comes out of those fitted on the board and, you know, everybody's going to have a blast. But uh, yeah, yeah. So most of the design... Um, I did. We have an excellent team, um, an art team like Ben. Um, some of his previous previous jobs were working on Skyrim, so we're we're very um, blessed in a sense that all these artists agreed to work with us because we are a new company. And then, especially with the yeah. Christian concept, everybody's like, "Oh, I don't know, it's not been done," or "Hey, this this theme is too edgy," you know. So, but you know, the good news is, like I said, all of our staff are from different different walks of life, um, you know. So. It's literally, they're doing an amazing job uh, and is literally all them. Yeah. So thank you <laughs> to all artists. So it's, It seems strange to me that it's almost like a double standard, right? Mm-hmm. So if I look at the board game industry, there are numerous games that get into the, you know, the mystical approach of, of, of other cultures, right? I mean, Buru is a perfect example based on Indonesian and you've got the different, you know, things you're, uh, doing offerings to the God, I back to the game. I thought it was great. doesn't mean that I, you know, practice, you know, Indonesian religion. I just found the game really compelling, right? The mechanics way thinking, I thought it was really cool. So I backed it. And it almost seems when I, when you get into like Christian Bible stories, it's all of a sudden like people are like, Whoa, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, what's, what's with the, you know, putting your religion into a board game. It's like, guys, I mean, as you're saying, like, if you want to be really technical Wiccans, right. You know, get mm-hmm. into witches and so forth. You got spells, you got magic. Yeah. You get people that I've seen, there's games that are based on uh, the Mayans, right. And offerings to yeah. the gods. I mean, there, there's different types of religions through 
the entire board game industry, right? So I think picking a story like this, um, clearly there's a market for it. You guys have done your job very well to hit a, a you know a million in funding, a quarter million in funding, and still with a week to go. I mean that that's proof right there that that you've picked the right concept. Um, I like how you've kind of incorporated the you know the fantastical beasts in there, right? Because again, mm-hmm. who knows? You know, prior yeah. to the flood what kind of creatures there may have been roaming the earth. Right. So yeah, I, I think it's cool the way you approached it. I had one more question on the resource tokens. Cause I thought that was really cool when I saw how those are distributed. Right. So you got four wedges that form a pie mm-hmm. and you got a marker on top of it. Right. So mm-hmm. there's limited resources when you go to certain hexes. Is that, that's basically what that, that does. Right. Um, correct. Yeah. So there's yeah. two sets of rules, one for an easy game, one for a hard game. Um, so for the hard game, they're limited for the easier game. They're just set aside and you have a, a dice, special dice that you roll to get them. Um, uh, because, um, one of the reasons is during our TTS, we had an older version loaded to test it out of a hard mode. And everybody's like, wow, this is so hard. We cannot get, you know, nobody's getting resources, but there's also an easy version where you do get a lot of resources, but it, you know, it's, it's kind of like inflation. <laughs> you get a lot of resources, but you don't have a lot of time because everybody's rushing you through your turn. So you got to, you know, make critical decisions. But um, yeah, and going back to the religious theme, um, even something like our favorite game, Root. So Root is our all-time mm-hmm. favorite game. Um, but, you know, the lizard cult, <laughs> you sacrifice animals. Yeah. But, you know, nobody, nobody really thinks about it. It is fun. Nobody thinks about it. But with a religious game, even if you mention a religious theme that already becomes edgy and you know i don't know why but uh it is what it is so well certainly i think that um either way you cut it there's still there's still a market for it right and i think being able to service that market in in the way you have is is is, it's pretty admirable um what's next after like do you have like is there gonna be another game that that's gonna have a religious theme or how have you guys kind of mapped out your path as a company yeah, so we want to make religious games. We want to make mm. a more of them. Um, a little sneak peek, our, our next game will be a card management game. And um, But right now we're solely focused on the flood to make sure we complete it because there's a lot of pressure. We are a new company. So yeah. with a new company, um, people are like, oh, no, they haven't made a board game before. But, you know, we, we have a lot of advisors from people that were super successful in Kickstarter and a huge thank you to them. Um, you know, like Andrew Lowen, I'm sure people have heard of him, um, you know, and many others. So yeah, we're not in this alone. We're getting a lot of advice without it. It would be impossible. And even Jamie's blog posts, you know, they're a treasure trove of information in there. So literally (laughs) any question you want, you can just go on there and read through them and even ask him, you know? Yeah. Oh, he's very accessible. Again, he's 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 so kind with his, his time that he's given back to the industry. I know I plug him all the time on the podcast, but if there's any designers or developers out there that are looking to get in this industry and want to know where to start, go to stonemeyergames.com. There is an encyclopedia of how to bring a game to market and how to create gaming, you know, in, in this industry right there for free. <laughs> right? yeah, just open yeah. it up and read it. Right. So uh, he's been fantastic for the industry. How do people follow your journey? Do you have like social channels that you've built up for kind of, you know, some of your fans to kind of, you know, follow yeah. along and, and provide input and so forth or? Um, we have a, we have a Facebook group. Um, it is closed, but you can still join it. It's closed to just weed out spam, but sure. uh, we have a Facebook group. Uh, we have our website um, at the floodboardgame.com. You can always subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, beyond that, Instagram, just regular social media channels. 
and BGG, but uh, don't look at the comment section there. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, you know, we have to pick and choose our battles and a lot of people don't like the theme and, and you know, the, well, the, the, the um, vocal minority don't like the theme. And, yeah. uh, you know, so once again, just do your best and, and uh, you will you know, always have yeah. trolls, <laughs> always have trolls. We had a game that was based on uh, squirrels. And uh, sorry, not the, the the hippo game that we had. Hamsters versus hippos. This is our last Kickstarter campaign, and we had sent out copies to um, probably seventy five uh, reviewers. It was a lot, but we knew exactly who we sent our games to. And there was some troll <laughs> on BGG that never received the game, just for kicks. Went and did like a scathing review, mm-hmm. and they had never even seen the game because yeah. there's only 75 yeah. people in the world that even had the game uh before we uh before we launched so you just got to kind of shrug off the trolls right it's yeah they're there their entertainment is making people's life miserable take the higher road and say you know what i'm going to focus on the positive what's great about this industry is 99.9 percent of the people are positive and yeah. uh, and are in your camp and are rooting for you so um it is an amazing industry part of it i'm so happy to be a part of it yeah, yeah, it's super cool. And uh, everybody has been really, really helpful. Uh, we have volunteers to even translate the game. It's it's uh, incredible. Yeah. People we don't even know that are like, hey, we would love to translate it for you. So, you know, the, the people in this industry are, are amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Elijah, I've put uh, links in uh, the show notes uh, for this episode. So mm-hmm. if people want to get quickly to your Kickstarter campaign, they'd follow the links in the show notes. They'll go right there. Or they can find it very easily on Kickstarter. You just type in The Flood and uh, you'll find the game there. I encourage everybody to check it out at the very least to see just the cool, very cool design elements you have in here. You guys have done an amazing job and uh, and have really put a lot of work into this. And uh, you know, congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank no you to all of our backers. All the best. You take care. Cheers. Thank you. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast. Hosted by James Staley. Produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.